seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today Luke's Gospel tells us a tale of two Adams. The man, Adam, formed by God out of the dust and the ground of creation. And the God-man, Jesus, the second Adam, who is begotten of the Father before all worlds. True God, true man. In the garden, the first Adam was tempted three times, and he was overcome by Satan. In the wilderness, in Luke 4, Jesus, the second Adam, is also tempted three times, but this time he overcomes Satan. The first Adam was tempted to become like God. Jesus, the second Adam, is true God and becomes true man to be tempted for us even as we are tempted, yet with one important difference. He has no sin. The devil even uses the same three temptations on Jesus that he did on Adam and Eve back in the garden. Food, idolatry, and a doubt of God's word. But no matter the temptation, it's always the same lie. Jesus' word, God's word, is not enough. Worship your desires, the devil tempts us. Worship yourself. Worship any word, anything, anyone, except Jesus and his words. But Jesus, the second Adam, prevails and wins and triumphs where the first Adam, and we along with him, fail and fell and sinned. You see, the devil knew that Jesus was weak and hungry after those 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. And so that's when he attacks, when he's weak. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. It's good for us to know that he attacks us the same way. Like a virus that searches for weakness in our immune system. Satan, too, looks for our weaknesses, our thoughts, desires, Our guilt and grief, our pain and anger, our pride, any little gap in the armor that he can crawl through. Above all, the devil knows our greatest weakness, that we are selfish and self-serving. But not Jesus. He is the opposite. He denies himself for you. He fasts 40 days in the wilderness for you. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, as a ransom for you. Jesus, the bread of life, refuses to make bread even for himself. It is written, he tells the devil, man shall not live by bread alone. And so Jesus does what Adam and we simply could not do. He fights the devil. He resists temptation. He stands firmly planted in the word of God. But he does this for you too. That is what his bread is, his word, God's word. It is written. He knows the Father will provide all his needs, and he promises to provide for you too. And so where the first Adam ate food of the tree and brought death, Jesus, now the second Adam, does not eat. And in doing so, he brings us life. For us who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he comes to fill us with his word. The word we hear today in the scriptures. The word and the water that was poured over us in baptism. The word of absolution that washes away and forgives all sin.
the Word that attaches itself to bread and wine that feeds us with His own body and blood for our forgiveness. You see, the devil's lies are no match for God's Word. Luther once said that the devil can't stand to be in the presence of the Word of God, and so he flees, just as he did when Christ spoke. But of course, Satan came back a second time and tried to tempt Jesus. To you I'll give all this authority, he said, and their glory, if you will but worship me, and it'll all be yours. This too is an old temptation, the same one that got Adam to bite down on that fruit and the lie. The kingdoms, the promise of authority and power and glory, you can be like God. But really it's a temptation to self-worship, to idolatry, to think that we have everything in control and it's all ours. A temptation to uh, satisfy fallen man's insatiable appetite for ourselves. The devil comes at this way too. Maybe we've prayed the prayer that our Lord taught us the wrong way. My kingdom come. My will be done. You can have it all your own way, the devil says, if you but bow down and worship me. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't take the bait though, does he? Again, he stands firm. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus knows that the kingdom of God comes to us fully and is made known to us most clearly on the cross. He refuses to be the superman and instead becomes for us a man of sorrows, the broken and bleeding man who carries our own griefs and sorrows and our pain to the cross with him. He becomes a beggar king who rules and reigns by dying on the cross and rising again This king of kings whose glory is known in his crucifixion for you. You see, this is why Christian worship is, looks and sounds the way it is. It's not conditional like the devil's worship. If you worship me, the devil says, then you get this or that or the other thing. It's the opposite in the kingdom of our Lord. Jesus comes and serves us here. He washes away our sin in baptism. He pours out his body and blood for us to eat and drink here. It's why we use that word divine service. Our Lord serves us here with his forgiveness. And he does it freely by his grace. Finally, the devil takes Jesus up to the top of the temple and offers one third temptation here. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written... He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they'll bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Again, notice the devil takes God's word and quotes it a little bit, but just enough to mix in a lie with the truth, to twist it, to warp it, to misquote God's word. It's the same thing he did back in the garden. Did God not say? Did he really say that... You will die when you surely eat the fruit? Did he really not say to touch it? See, the third third temptation Luther once observed and wrote is that this is the greatest one of all of them. It's the temptation to forsake, to leave God's word. The temptation that creeps into our hearts and minds too. Is God's word really enough for me, for my family, for my life, for days of difficulty? for my daily bread, for my faith and forgiveness. That's why we sang this morning in the hymn, 
a mighty fortress that the devil's strength we cannot match on our own. The first Adam failed and fell into sin and did die. And so do we in sin. But not Jesus. Not the second Adam who comes to fulfill and succeed and accomplish and win victory for us. Where the first Adam said yes to the devil's lies, Jesus says no again and again and again. And he does it for you. The first Adam was overcome by the tree and the serpent in the tree of the garden. But Jesus, our second Adam, overcomes the devil on the tree of the cross for you. The first Adam fell and brought sin and death to us and all creation. But now Jesus, our second Adam, dies and rises. And he raises us up in his resurrection. He calls us, each of you, a new creation. The first Adam was cast out of paradise. But Jesus, our second Adam, brings us through the wilderness of this fallen world into his new creation. As he says on the cross, Today... You are with me in paradise. The first Adam brought food of the fall. Food that was won by sweat and labor. But Jesus, our second Adam, gives us holy, life-giving food. That is, the bread of life in his body and blood this day. And so as we begin this season of Lent, we rejoice in Paul's words that even though in Adam all die, in Christ, our second Adam, we live now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.